Welcome aboard the Shipshape Podcast, your ultimate destination for marine wisdom and expertise. Our skilled crew, comprised of top boating journalists and experts, is committed to delivering informative and captivating content week after week. We're eager to connect with and learn from our fellow mariners, and we encourage you to share our podcast with your friends. Remember, word of mouth is our lifeblood, and if you enjoy an episode, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. By doing so, you're helping us forge a robust community of mariners who can learn, collaborate, and exchange their experiences out on the water. Today on the Ship Shape Podcast, we are navigating the ever-evolving waters of the marine industry. Today, we're chatting a course through the electrifying world of marine energy. Our guest has journeyed from the cold landscapes of Sweden to the vibrant energy scene of Florida, always with an eye on the horizon of innovation. From his early days in the energy storage space to his current role at the forefront of renewable energy solutions for boating, he has been a beacon of progress and sustainability. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the sales manager for Victron Energy in the U.S. and Canada, a pioneer in marine energy solutions, Simon Itterbaum. Your two co-hosts today are Meryl Shred and Oliva Board on Atashing, Toshiba 36 in Boston, Massachusetts, and T. Hey guys, welcome to the Shipshape Podcast. This is Talha Bhatti, and we're going to be learning a lot about new energy and old energy and how energy has transformed. So looking forward to speak with Simon. So Simon, where are you coming to us from? Uh, I'm coming to you from St. Augustine, Florida, Northeast, oldest city and oldest established city, I should say, in, in the U.S. So you're not originally from the U.S., you're from Sweden. So can you tell us kind of what the story was, how you ended up in the U.S. in the first place? Yeah, I was 21. I was going to um, electrical engineering school in, in Sweden when I got an offer from a school in New York to go and take my bachelor in Brooklyn, New York. So I went over there and uh, studied for a few years towards my bachelor. This is 2010. I moved over there. Along that journey, like many other people, I met a lady and kind of got you know stuck here in this beautiful country and has been here in the U.S. ever since. After about four to five years in, in New York, we decided to move down to St. Augustine, where her family is from, and start our family. And that's also when I really started to get into the energy storage sector. My father-in-law was driving a, and running a small battery distribution company in northeast florida and uh, we were working with batteries and um, you know all the accessories around that and that's really when i started to get involved with, with victron so i've been involved with it for seven eight years now in one shape or another post that i also worked in sweden for a year and a half almost two years as the tech support for the master vault for the scandinavian uh, headquarter and uh, four years ago i made the jump to start working for victron as their sales manager here in in the u.s so obviously you've been in the battery space for a while and how have you seen it change over time i understand that you know batteries have evolved quite rapidly 
Yeah, it's a really interesting market, I would say, because there's been so much changes to it in the last 10 years. I'd say there's been more changes to the battery market in the last 10 than the previous 50. Yeah, traditionally, we were working predominantly with lead-acid batteries, uh, flooded batteries. AGM and gel dry cells has always been an option in that space for quite some time. And it's been emerging more and more now in the last five, ten years as a common product out there in the market for all its advantages. But lithium five, six years ago was a very expensive, it was a little bit cost prohibitive in the beginning, but it's really gained traction in the last four or five years that have propelled all the, you know, the option of truly being off grid and uh, be able to successfully be without alternative power sources where you can control it in a, in a way that lead acid batteries are really restricting and it's opened up this marine market right now and for many other markets as well to be completely energy independent and self-sustainable. Uh, and that's really happened in the last five years with the push and the growth of uh, lithium and many different lithium manufacturers coming out, prices came down, they've really gotten the the distribution out there in the world and also you know here in the us to where it's a, now a very good product out there easily obtained and not too difficult to get you have a lot of people that knows about it knowledge is usually one of the main hurdles with this and uh, it's really propelling this market that we're seeing right now which is super cool and simon obviously victron is involved in just power generation it doesn't care whether people generate that on a boat or in an rv or on land what do you think the spread is like where is it being used the most nowadays i think here in the us at least there's a good mix between marine and an rv where you're seeing this because they're very similar in on the consumer side of what you're trying to achieve if you have a an rv you want to be able to roam freely throughout the states and not having to rely on going to rv parks and you want to be able to go places where you were not fully able to go same with the marine market it's uh, opened up the opportunity to really travel wherever you want to go without having the need to go back and always fill up a lot with fuel and, and so on and so forth and i think we're just seeing the beginning of this market here evolve uh, especially as new electric propulsion in the mar marine market is coming across and you know some of the challenges with that we're experiencing right now it's uh, very similar in that i still think the stationary market and you know, houses and and so on is still not a hundred percent there it's growing very fast but the cost for lithium system to back up your house and control your own energy that way is still usually a lot more expensive because it's so much bigger. So there's still some developments that needs to be done and price to be justified, I guess, for that market to grow as fast as the, the marine and the RV market have done for, for this market. And I'm glad you brought up electric propulsion. I mean, I think we'll do a deep dive into that, but how ready is Victron to embrace that? We're kind of agnostic when we're talking about the systems that we're working with. One of the setbacks currently, I think, uh, in general, is not really pertained to Victron directly, is the recharge aspect of uh, of your battery bank. So if you look at cars right now, like EV cars, their battery banks are usually high voltage and uh, or higher than what we're no uh, normally used in, in the marine world with. And to make the same thing on a, on a vessel, 
it's more efficient, I guess, to to have a higher voltage bank, but that comes with a lot of other obstacles because the ways of recharging is kind of difficult because now you have to charge at a higher voltage. You can't maybe use a 48 volt or you don't have the alternator that can charge this and now you're going through an inverter and then a, another battery charger to charge your bank or you're running your generator to recharge your electric propulsion, which is kind of... Um, backwards in the purpose of, of doing it and i think there's we're still seeing some of those challenges being worked on uh, so i think it's a an emerging market to where i suspect in the next five ten years there will be a lot more readily available options that can tackle these obstacles as you had mentioned earlier you know your family was in the battery business and then you were in Mastervolt, and then you ended up in victron but I want to hear kind of what the shifts were, right? Like, what was it like to go from a family-run business to joining Mastervolt? And then what was the decision to join Victron? Can you kind of give us that story? Yeah, and that's uh, that's an interesting one for me because starting out working with uh, a family-owned company, obviously, I have a lot of inputs and uh, say in what you want to do. Your flexibility is rather endless, and it's a very liberating job role to be working in before i left the family company or we actually sold the company to a bigger investment group which now have a you know big uh, investment group hierarchy coming into place more structure more managers uh, so on so forth and that really puts a a strain on creativity because you have to go through layers of uh, managerial approvals i guess to create anything new which tends to not be as inviting to work with. So I worked for the same company for a year before I started working with Victron. And that's one of the things that I truly love. And I think is one of the main thing that sets Victron aside is that it is still a family owned company. We're about 100 people. uh, Now we're about 120 all over the world. So very small company. And uh, everyone that works for Victron have one sort of boss and that's Matthias and, uh, and Reinhardt, out the owners and uh, uh, that you know breeds a very self-going environment that you can work in because you're not gonna well, for lack of better words bug them with every little thing so you have to operate very freely and openly very in a very similar manner to a family-owned company didn't really have that when I was working with Mastervolt in Sweden because that's you know part of a bigger structure and uh, though we had quite a good amount of flexibility, it's not at all the same as, as Victron with uh, the style that it's run right now today. I, I didn't realize uh, that Victron was only 100 employees. Wow. And you guys seem way bigger. You seem like, I don't know, Sony or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the core focuses for Victron Energy is to keep the team as small as possible, I would say, because that keeps us able to be quick in decisions. We don't have to go through a bunch of hierarchies to make decisions. If we want to do something or implement something new or develop something new, then we can do that very fast. Because if we think something is a good idea, well, we'll talk about it with, with the owners and they they think so too. Just do it. So we can be very fast in responding to to market changes, which I think have served us well in the last five years here. But we're also very keen on outsourcing 
things that we're not experts on. We have two warehouses here in the US, one in California, one in Atlanta, but those are third party warehouses. So we don't own them. We don't operate them. We don't employ people there. It's not our expertise to warehouse. So it's all outsourced. It's not our expertise to do invoicing and the admin uh, aspect of it. So that is also outsourced. So it's just a smaller core of people that work directly for Victron. It's usually R&D and sales. Mm. So, so maybe talk a little bit about the technology itself, because I've heard a lot of like Victron's transformers and stuff were game changers. Um, who, who comes up with that? Is it like a team or is it just like the owner is, you know, a Elon Musk type? Like what's going on there? Uh, I think it's a combination. I think it, to understand how we developed into what we are today, you kind of need to know the beginning of it as well. So mm, Victron, take us back, take us back. Yeah, yeah. so Victron was really started in 1975 by a man named Reinhard Vader. And he's still in the company today. He still goes in every day to work. He's doing a lot of the logistic ordering, all these kind of things. Back in uh, 1975, he was down in the Mediterranean. He's from the Netherlands. That's where we're based out of. And he, he was exporting exotic fishes and sea creatures to the Netherlands to go to different aquariums and uh, so on and so forth. So he was selling exotic fishes. So when you're taking them back from, you know, from Italy or Greece or Spain, you need a way to keep the fish alive. And that's in an aquarium. It's a little pump and keep the water, you know, running and all these kind of things. And uh, quite often during that time, the inverter that he had bought at that point, some modified sine wave uh, unit, he kept on bra breaking on him. And after losing some of his fishes, then he figured I can do this better. So he started building his own inverter, sort of a, a garage story. And in that time, it's also when color TVs were coming out, uh, refrigerators on, on boats and so on. There's more of an electrical need uh, in the marine space. And well, he started building his first units. They worked really well. And there was more people asking for it that it was experienced the same issue, maybe not in, with keeping fish alive, but inverter obstacles at that given time with that technology that was available at that date and uh, from there on it's grown quite fast so Reinout is sort of the hardware guy in Victron that works with the transformer the FET bridges and, and and the infrastructure of uh, building a, a pure sign inverter and uh, from there on we've grown to what we are today and the company's currently managed by Matthijs Vader, who's his son, and he's more of a IT-driven guy, a little bit more of, of, of the IT nerd in, in, in the company, and uh, he's uh, really propelled a lot of the software integrations, uh, communication, and all the sort of infrastructures that you're seeing today with the remote mm -hmm. monitoring, Bluetooth app, uh, XYZ, and that's sort of where we are today. And uh, it seems to be a very good combination to have the two of them working together. And, and maybe tell us a little bit about the branding and the naming as well. Like, what was the inspiration behind even the colors? There's such a distinctive blue. Like, what was the story behind those? I don't know the full story behind it, but it's very similar to, you know, Dutch colors. And we're a Dutch company. So I would expect it's got something to do with, with that. And, you know, blue for 
marine because that's where we originated from and uh, you know you have the orange which is a very dutch color as well that type of orange so i think it's grown from there and then the name itself victron does that mean something specific in in dutch norwegian You'll have to erase this because I don't know that. I'll have to find that out. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> With your diverse background and experiences that you've had throughout this kind of sector of marine, what advice would you give someone that's thinking about pursuing a career in energy? If I were to start, let's say... A, a little marine installer shop i would look at the different brands that are the top notch and then reach out to them and uh, just see if they have any apprentice ambassador or any kind of affiliation program that you can learn from them because you'd be surprised how many companies that don't have good coverage on knowledgeable installers throughout the country. There's always holes, such a big map. And having energetic and passionate new installers come up, a lot of manufacturers are very eager to help you get going and providing you with good mentors or good people to build a sort of a social structure around what you're doing. So if you're, let's say you're starting it in Florida, we would you know pair you up with someone that's got a wealth of knowledge that you can work with so that you get a gateway into working with someone who's already gone through the very same journey that you've done they could have spent 30 years getting to where they are right now if you're smart and passionate and a outgoing person you can very quickly absorb a lot of this already existing knowledge that took someone a very long time so i think it's very important to find not to sound cliche, but a good mentor or a distributor or of some sort that has gone through the very same journey and then work with them for a year. You'll learn a lot more in one year working with them than you will ever do reading manuals and all these kind of things. You get that hands-on experience. And I would say there's a short of uh, qualified marine installers out in, in the US. Uh, there's probably a lot of them, but not all of them knows power electronics. Uh, there's a lot of different you know avenues to it. So I would really try to zoom in on someone, hopefully fairly local, that has done the very same journey that you've about to embark on and pick their brain. So I think that would be the first thing that I would recommend. I think ABYC certification and uh, going through that is a, is a good benchmark, but then work with someone and then work with someone that knows a few different brands and uh, can also give you some help to get to know some of the, the manufacturers. Well, that's certainly a very true uh, topic. You know, we've seen throughout kind of the service side of the industry, you know, obviously a ton of gaps within kind of where manufacturers have installers. And a lot of these young service businesses can really capitalize off it. One of our close friends, Lexi Ozinger from BoatRx, his whole plan was he just went out to Europe, run into these manufacturers who are making great products in Europe, but have no uh, service installers or dealers in the U.S. and just making that connection. I mean, that's definitely a, a game changer. Yeah, so definitely. let me ask you, with the increasing popularity of electric boats coming into the industry, what challenges and opportunities do you see for the energy storage and charging infrastructure required? 
Um, are you talking about electric propulsion already installed lithium system or coming with you know a full off-grid system for your DC AC loads uh, right from the manufacturer? Both. Both. Well, I think there's two different things. I think A is that I think that that market is still going to for the electric propulsion to come on the OEM side of things, I think that still weighs out because there's still challenges in making that a sustainable solution uh, where you don't have to run a generator to recharge your battery bank or that you have a sort of a, a radius of how far you can go before you have to go back or having to have a, a, a backup alternator, a gas diesel alternator engine to uh, take you where you, you need to go. So I think that is still some bit out there. And I think we're seeing some of the early testers now, you know, coming up with different solutions for that. But as far as the OEMs installing, you know, full on systems directly from the factory, that is growing. And uh, there's going to be a huge need on the marine installer side to that understands all these systems. Because as you know, if we put a, if there's a product that comes out, there's also going to be a lot of service requests, upgrades that comes with it to where it's going to be even more necessary for marine installers to understand this technology. Because if it comes standard, it's going to be more and more in their face, as I would say, when they're out there and they need to know about it or and they'll be behind on the, you know, the progression of the, the market. And then the second aspect of that is the more system that you have of this nature out in the water, the more people are also going to want to have it. Because if every neighbor has got the ability to go off grid and do whatever they want to, well, then that's also something that you perhaps will start striving to eventually. So I think that the need for retrofit is just going to keep on going up with that because there's so many boats, secondhand boats, you know, boats are a, sort of a vessel that age is not all that important on you can buy an older boat and fix it up but if you buy something with like an rv then you tend to have a little bit of a timestamp on it uh, before it, you know gets really outdated so i think boats are are something that goes can go in in generations and still be there will still be a lot of needs for for upgrades and adjustments to tailor to the to the current market ahoy investors are you on the lookout for a unique opportunity to invest in a thriving industry? Set your sights on ShipShape, the innovative platform connecting boat and yacht owners with top-notch marine service providers. Our team is committed to revolutionizing the marine repair and refit market in North America. But we can't sail these seas alone. With your support, we can enhance our platform and create a significant impact in the industry. Don't let this exciting investment opportunity drift away. Contact us today to learn more about joining our voyage. Reach out to us at info at shipshape.pro. Circling back a little bit, you know, obviously it seems like there is a debate between the storage capacity of batteries and or the ability of the power plants, whether it be like solar or wind. And so can you talk about those dimensions, whether it be battery storage or just kind of what the capacity of solar is these days in terms of being able to charge such things? Yeah, and I, if you look at just on the solar panels and what have happened to that industry in the last five, ten years, we've come a very long way and I don't see any stop or end to it. 
what used to be you know a 200 watt panel is now a 400 or 450 watt panel the efficiency has gone from 10 percent to 20 25 percent so the amount of energy that you can harness out of a solar panel has increased quite a lot while the price has gone down tremendously to where it's usually now a question of how much space do i have on my vessel to put up solar panels to do what i want to do and uh, you can then get for what is today you know a standard ac dc consumption on the boat you can with a sizable pv array live fairly comfortable uh, on a sailboat where five ten years ago you had to be very careful on how you managed all your loads and such when you were sailing because i think that's really opened up that market and it just keeps on getting more and more efficient the panels are getting you know they're not getting any smaller i would say but at least not from what i gathered from the last uh, events that i've been but they are getting more powerful i would say and uh, that really helps with uh, being able to get you know a more robust recharge option with with the pvra Hmm. And and Simon, I like speaking from personal experience. I remember when I got my panels. And I was telling you this off air is that I literally had to hang on to them for two years because I couldn't find any electricians who dealt with boats, and I couldn't find any boaters who deal with solar. And how how do we bridge that gap? You know, is, is do you think? And again, this is a few years ago. Do you think it's better now? How do we improve it further? I think it's a little bit better, but that kind of. Uh, I would say network infrastructure comes from creative people finding ways to making good qualified installers known to the world, I would say. And and I think there's a lot of very good installers out there that is if you don't have a connection with them some in one way or another that you're not aware of or you would not maybe find them because one of the things i would say with someone that is very good at the mechanical you know electrical engineering of of systems like this is that they tend to not be very creative and savvy when it comes to the company or the publicity of themselves mm, uh, websites yeah. exactly yeah. that's sort of on the very backbone and last thing that they're thinking about because yeah, they're more in in their mind thinking about which cable should go where and how do i do this and that sort of oper- operate in that space you know and i think with the advent of ai and uh, with uh, some new things really pushing the this that social networking environment that if you can get these people known to the world in, in, in a lack of better terms, I think that that will really propel a lot of these issues where you're waiting, you don't know who to contact, who is good. And then hopefully there's a manufacturers have their approved trainings, ABYC standards that can really put check boxes, I guess, on verifying that they are trained in the different professions to a certain level so that there's some sort of benchmark for them uh, to to kind of quickly see that they know what you want to try to do with them. So I think that network is getting better and better. And, uh, you know, if, if that keeps on developing, I think that will help quite a bit. But it's still a very underserved market as far as uh, from the amount of knowledgeable installers out there. Mm. And, and how is Victron dealing with that? Is there anything that you guys are doing to sort of specifically enhance that part? Just the installers 
and you know service side of it perhaps well there's a few avenues that we have that we're working with this uh we're constantly doing hands-on training and it's the only way to get installers really comfortable with our products so we've done hands-on trainings now for for two years throughout the entire country for you know all the different markets and that really helps to get a lot of the installers up to speed very quickly with the basis of uh, a full lithium system this is something we've been doing now for two years it's still going on we've got training now almost every week until december and uh, that helps that during that training too we're also looking for those guys that are very knowledgeable so we can highlight them for the ones that knows victron on our on our website where to buy we have an installer tab there that we're trying to continue to uh, populate and uh, try to get more people that we'd recognize out there to be known but traditionally what you would do if you find yourself in Minneapolis or Florida or wherever you're at is that if you want to have a Victron system installed, you'd look and see who the distributor is in that area. Mm-hmm. You call them and they would recommend a good distributor that they know uh, of in that area because they have access to their entire fleet of, of installers. So yeah, we're trying to highlight individuals more, but it's still generally driven on our end through the distributors recommending one of their you know preferred installers mm-hmm. and you've been doing this for a while what are some of like the key milestones for victron or maybe some of the biggest um you know sort of concerns they had or you know in- inspirational challenges they had like how has your journey evolved as victron in the last few years well for us making sure that the right people or the right knowledge is out there has been key because there's so many videos out there on how to do this on on youtube and different uh, platforms and we've really tried to you know enhance that to where it's good solid information that's out on the on the web because that's usually where people get acquainted with our products the first but we always try to push everyone that's looking for our products to go through a local distributor that have the knowledge already and they can really then help if they have a, a marine installer on their own, to really help that installer go through some of the, the obstacles with you know wiring in a full system because they're usually never the same. Yeah, so we've pushed quite hard with training. That's been our one of our main focus, hands-on training. Yeah, get you know four or five guys in front of a system, have them wire it all up, do all the programming, uh, all these things, get them to talk to each other, knowing each other, sharing knowledge, uh, so on. And that's uh, been one of the key focuses for, for Victron in the last two, three years, I'd say. Mm. Can, can you share a success story or, or challenging situation? Yeah, I think something that's interesting is that there seems to be two different styles of marine installers out there right now, where you have a younger generation that's usually pretty savvy with the communication, the small wires, the digital aspect of what a full lithium system may look like now, communication, monitoring, so on and so forth. But they may not have the sort of the experience that some of the older generation may have where where they can essentially go down and, and, and listen and say, you got a bad ground that kind of feeling and vice versa the older generation may not have the inclination to be really successful without good training to do all the more technical advanced stuff on on a a system and trying to merge that has 
really interesting. And we see that some of the best installers or installer groups comes out of the ones that have a combination of this, uh, mm -hmm. where they have a young apprentice that have this sort of, uh, you know, knowledge. Sort of, you ask someone to fix your computer, you usually maybe presumptuous, but you're usually not asking your dad, you're asking your son to do it kind of uh, situation. I've also found is that like people, you know, like your electricians, some of them, the ones that deal with the 110 and the 220 are almost shy of the 12 volts. They're like, what, there's no ground? What does that mean? Yeah, and and the other way is true as well. The people who are savvy with the 12s and the 24s are almost afraid of the 220s and they're like, that's too many volts. Yeah. How, how do we bridge that gap? I think it's just education and when you get i think it's just you got to get your hands dirty and, and start working with it because sort of when you break through because I've, i've been through that very same journey i would say coming from an energy storage very heavily dc sort of knowledge that i started with before i started working with, with victron and uh, anything on the ac side was not unknown but it was oh that's the other side of this that i kind of understand but not fully and it's a lot more intimidating if you actually have to install it too and run the wires and you're not feeling comfortable because you're working with you know high voltage and you know the, the way to really break that through is just you know install some of it get a system in your shop up start playing around with it try to you know a voltmeter do different things i think the abyc basic course is a very good like fundamental training for you to get more comfortable with all this and how to check different things and what to do to make sure a system is safe on the AC and DC side too. So if you're feeling unsecure about something on the AC or DC, I think, you know, taking that class will definitely put you on a, on a, on a good track, I'd say. Well, we can certainly talk a ton on the issues and challenges faced by the service businesses. I mean, you know, it's a very much the wild west at this point. And uh, we've dealt with a lot of manufacturers in which they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we want to try to support the, the businesses and the service businesses and educate them. And on the flip side, you have a bunch of service businesses who, for the most part, you don't need to have any certifications to install stuff. And even back our story, me and T, we installed a thousand kilowatt solar panel on a fp sailboats is 40 footer and we just scrambled a bunch of people together figured out how to install it but and it came out really nice it oh, looked yeah. like stock by the way yeah. yeah yeah and the owner was happy and he spent the whole like summer in the keys and he didn't have to plug in even once he was you know on the moon he's like this was awesome best investment in years yeah yeah and, and it went through a hurricane and everything but that being said I want to uh, ask you kind of, because obviously some people outside of Marine listen to this podcast, what are the key differences between, let's say, the automotive industry and the boating industry when it comes to energy and what challenges are uniquely faced by Marine? I mean, I can sit here and probably say that the fact that most boats they're usually on open throttle and so the, the power consumption is much higher than cars but what else uh, one of the key differences that i see at least on the oem side and on you know the difference between the electrical systems on the marine and an rv platform and automotive is that marine is really one of the driving forces behind robust and, and safe systems there's a lot more i should say 
not knowledge, but much there's more standards out there, and uh, a lot of things that you hear is marine graded, and that's obviously for you know water resistance and such. But I'd say if you're working with marine standards in the RV industry, you're you're on the safe side. But the RV standards are still somewhat fluctuating. They're building up what's called the RVIA, which is the standard on their side. But there's still more to be added to that segment out right now. So I think the marine market is a lot more developed as far as you know robust installation guidance is, uh, right now, which really helps that. But you obviously have some of the it, marine world is also quite a bit more challenging because you have you know to work around galvanic isolation you know you have water underneath the hole that can carry some current and those kind of aspects that is not at all in the rv industry that you also have to look at so yeah i think there's just because of that there's a lot more emphasis on safety in the marine than what it is on the rv right now which really helps build up that sort of guidance in there I only, uh, I always thought that marine grade just meant that you spent more. <laughs> Sometimes, probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's probably a combination in that. But generally, marine grade means that there's a standard on the insulation, uh, you know, the type of material you're using, how many strands is in a, in a wire, that kind of stuff. Is it engine protection, ignition, you know, all these kind of things. Can it be where there's a oil and all that kind of stuff you know there's usually a lot of of those kind of aspects that classify something as marine graded well mm. i really and want to talk on the topic of um you know this energy storage because you post anywhere related to kind of green or electric in always some of the first comments that come up are batteries aren't there yet you know they don't have a lot of storage capacity all this other type of stuff can you kind of talk on you know, that slash what the future holds. Hmm. Yeah, and just on the lithium side, so we'll take this, you know, five years ago, there's sort of a standard size for a lithium battery. And that size is now getting much, much smaller, I would say, with a lot of fast developments in the, in the markets. And uh, that really helps you get a lot more storage into what used to be occupied by big bulky batteries so just for example with, with victron a couple of years ago i'd say if you bought a 300 amp lithium battery it'd be the size of you know an 8d and now we have a 330 mm -hmm. amp battery that's almost the size of a group 31 bci standard and that allows you to fit a lot more power into smaller spaces because we know you're, you're never given a lot of spaces in on a boat or an RV. Uh, RVs are usually a little bit better with space and real estate than boats, but that allows you to pack quite a bit of power now that was not available over the counter just a few years ago. Essentially, you can put in 900 and or almost a thousand amps worth of 12 volt power where you used to have a 200 something amp AGM battery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've more than quadrupled your energy. And that's mm. not talking and, and more usable capacity as well, exactly. Right, correct. Yeah, correct. Mm. So, I think as of today, there's you know, sizes out there in the market on the lithium side that allows you to do pretty much what you need to do off grid. Uh, that was not there just a couple of years ago. 
And and then just adding to Meryl's question about the future, are you seeing more sort of OEM installs? Or are you seeing more retrofit? Because like you said, like boats will last you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years. Are you going to see more retrofits on older boats? Like, how do you see this evolving? I think both of them are going to grow probably about the same speed because as the availability to information, there's more of a network of people knowing who's good at this, which means that there's going to be more people interested in doing it. It's such a blooming market, I would say, to be a, a marine installer that knows how to build these off-grid systems. I think that that's just going to keep on growing uh, as prices may even come down a little bit more or you know, the ratio of income to, to the cost of the system is making it uh, more worth the investment. So I think the aftermarket is just going to keep on growing for the next coming 10, 15 years. But also the OEMs are starting to pick up here. And uh, there's more and more interest into building these systems there. Every year, there's more boat manufacturers, you know, coming on board, having a lithium upgrade option, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're coming through and doing trainings and everything to make sure they're doing it according to standards, but also to manufacturers' recommendations. So I think both of them are growing and will keep on growing quite fast in the coming years here. Mm -hmm. Could you give us some names? Are there any companies that Victron is working on partnerships with? Well, I don't know to what extent, but FP over in France we're working with. Mm -hmm. We got some catamarans coming out of South Africa, uh, Leopard, uh, mm. here in the U.S. Working with uh, one of the ones that are starting to do some really cool stuff is Island Packet Yachts. They're doing mm -hmm. majority of their new boats coming out have uh, a full Victron system. And it's really just like the marine installers. Do you have that guy in your manufacturing that is willing to spend the time to learn it, to listen? Mm -hmm. He's not too stubborn about what he's learned in the past and is willing mm -hmm. to try and test and develop something like this. Then they're the ones that are most successful with this. Well, the so, fact that you just uh, name dropped a decent amount of sailboats. Would you say that there's more people in sailing that are kind of picking up these products or is it kind of like equal with power boats to sailboats or what's that look like in the marine industry i think it's predominantly the cats and the sailboats that are driving this in transition i'd say to full off-grid systems because you you don't have the same need from power boats or bigger yachts where you have an engine running all the time and perhaps also running generators, but their alternators, if they upgrade their alternators, they can, you know, really produce a lot of power all the time anyway. And if that engine is on, then there's less need for this type of system. So I think where there's some, you know, some quiet, I guess, that's where this market is really pushing faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sort of building off that, how do these energy sort of efficiency considerations, do they play a role yet, maybe in the future, in terms of the design or the manufacturing of these boats themselves? Yeah, because they have to sort of adhere to some of this, you know, the, the specs of what is available there. So which means that they have to maybe retrofit some of their battery brackets, some of their ways that they're running their conduits and uh, and, and all these things. So yeah, they have to solar archers, perhaps. Exactly. Right? Yeah, solar, mm -hmm. you know, just places to put solar panels up, making it, mm -hmm. you know, solar ready or adding a PV array, which now 
was not really originally designed for their boats. So yeah, there's things that they have to adjust on their manufacturing, you know, sort of assembly line to to make it all feasible. Let's say. Nice. And then what? Maybe you can give us a little insight into what is Victron thinking over the next five, ten years? Like, what are you guys working on? We're working on. We're continuing to push a lot on the communication of things. Our lithium batteries are getting smaller. Yeah, our components might be getting smaller. We're trying to make things easier, but that's sort of a natural trend of the market and what what you can do with mm-hmm. uh, with that product. That's almost Moore's law at one level. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that is, I think, kind of true across the board in a way. Mm-hmm. But what Victron is focusing is more on the communication aspect of all this, more intelligent systems, more integration in between components, in between, mm-hmm. you know, one of the bigger, you know, pusher in, in the marine industry right now is high output alternators. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was going to ask, work. are you guys yeah. getting into that, into alternators? No, and Victron is a small company for a reason, because we don't, we don't get into things that are outside of our focus. An alternator is not one of our focus, but we work mm-hmm. with manufacturers and uh, you know we have our protocol available for them so we you know people can go and buy high output alternator external regulators and then we work with a wake speed or a balmore or arco or you know there's a bunch of different ones out there not to forget one electromax they you know just having the communication from our system to tell the alternator how to behave and how to charge the batteries as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. That kind of communication is something that we're investing quite a lot of time and enabling systems to be high performance because there's, you know, obstacles with that sort of uh, infrastructure if you don't have CAN bus communication with it. I think that's, you know, something that's just going to get more and more readily available and easy to work with as we go along. Mm. And and as I mentioned off air, I'm a huge Victron fan for... For me, one of the biggest game changes you guys make is a little gizmo. Is that intelligent, smart battery combiner gizmo? It's small. It's just like forty dollars or something, but you could connect a bunch of different battery banks to it. And that was just such a game changer because it was totally standalone, you know. But yet, it, it sort of you know it enhanced the isolation of each of the battery banks, and yet everybody stays charged. And but mm-hmm. just that—that's on one side. I found like a lot of the older systems. Again, not to throw these guys under the bus or anything, but like your Raymarines and and like all of those uh, navigation systems that sort of relied on NEMA. Even now, it's like I, I try to connect a couple of them, and they'll—they'll they'll say NEMA 2000, but they'll need like a new pin that you can't find anywhere to connect. Uh, you know, it. And how how do you guys? think about like the connection how do you guys make it easier especially again like with other products maybe again you can give us some names here what other companies are still in there i remember xantrax was a big one does everybody talk to each other or does victron just talk to victron or because again because i'm going off that s- smart battery combiner that doesn't it's agnostic to what batteries it's connected to how is it looking yeah i think that's a very good question because you want to make it easy the whole can bus infrastructure of communicating between different components that talk the same, but sometimes the different language, even or a different accent, I would say, I guess, can make you know uh, throw a loop in 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 the whole system and make it really challenging for something so small. But we're working quite closely with a lot of the MFD manufacturers, well, Garmin, uh, Raymarine, so on, and to make it as easy as possible for customers to connect this on their own. If you have one of our communication devices it's called the servo uh, mm-hmm. gx 
which is a communication hub that takes in all the different Victron components and and then broadcasts everything out to you know the cloud, remote monitoring, local monitoring, that that kind of stuff. But then all you're doing is running an RJ45 Ethernet cable to the back of uh, of the MFD, and then it auto populates all this, and that's a straight you know RJ45 UTP cable that is a you know over the counter kind of product. It's not a special NEMA backbone kind of infrastructure. So then it's a plug and play because those relationships are already developed, which makes it a lot easier for installers to get all their, you know, electrical information up on their helm. And that can, and that makes, the, hopefully those kind of things are of the past. But what makes it challenging, I would say, is when you start combining different brands that, you know, for us, Victron, there, it makes little sense to have our batteries talk to Mastavolt's inverter, for example. That's, mm-hmm. you know, there's still a, a competitor to us. So that kind mm-hmm. of relationship is not really, you know, there to make those kind of different things work on the same platform. So you're usually looking at trying to stick with one brand within mm-hmm. their offerings to, to make it a, a seamless integration. Do the battery management systems talk to each other or does that not happen either? So that's one of the things where we work with a lot of different brands because we have our, our lithium lineup, but that's not, mm-hmm. you know, we're not the best at, you know, lithium systems, perhaps across all markets. If you take a look at the stationary market, for example, then there's a lot of rack mount 48 volt lithium options and they use CAN bus integration. So we've developed a integration with our servo and uh, third-party battery manufacturers so that they can you know easily connect a closed loop uh, system to our inverter so that if you have some of the third-party batteries that you can just connect an ethernet cable into our our unit and uh, and then that will take over the kind of the control and tell the inverters mm-hmm. when to shut off and charge now and and, and all these kind of things so we have uh, quite a long list of people uh, or battery manufacturers that we, we work with for that very reason. So we obviously went super technical right now, but like Simon, what on a daily basis, like what excites you about working for Victron? I'd say the freedom that every day is different. We work in so many or different markets and there's so many different power needs out there. And we have you know, a really strong distribution channel. And there's always new markets that tends to pop up. Hey, we need remote monitoring for this little cell tower out in nowhere. And we we want to power it. Or we have this little ice cream truck. We want to keep the, you know, the ice cream cold so it doesn't melt. You know, we have an inefficient generator. So, you know, build a hybrid generator system. There's always something new coming on almost a daily basis. And uh, all of them have some sort of similar solutions, big or small. You know, power is power. But all these different markets, you know, we're not focused on just one specific market. And that keeps in our job really interesting. You, you tend to learn a lot about different people's industries by helping them this way. So you get to know about all kinds of things, which I think is the one that is most fascinating for, for me to work with Victron at least. Mm, I like that. Every day is different, right? And power is power. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of the same, but different. <laughs> Very cool. What about yeah. um, like this whole growth in like eco-tourism and 
you know, more sustainable boating experiences and I mean, not in just the boating industry, just in general. How, how are you guys embracing that trend? I think it's a natural development of the offers or offerings that are, are out there now because you can achieve a lot of these things quietly right now. It was sort of impossible five, ten years ago. And that drives that whole infrastructure. And we always hear about new green incentives. You know, you get a tax credit on, you know, if you put it in a system into your house and all the different things. And and generally the systems are, you know, all the same, just bigger or smaller, but it, it definitely drives a good bit of not only the green sort of agenda to push that forward, but also the marketing efforts that involves it, that highlights these kind of, options uh, as well so it comes from all different avenues and it's yeah it's really cool to to see how many different ways people are utilizing power that they were not able to do five ten years ago and uh, just be quieter less emission all these kind of things so as we come to our conclusion here maybe give another piece of advice outside of you know find a mentor and uh, tell us where we can find you. Hmm. And I definitely, I want to bug you, Simon, for a marine story. I know you've been on boats. So give us like your funnest marine adventure. Well, I can kind of maybe tie the two into each other because that's kind of how I learned a lot about the full off-grid systems and doing what I'm doing today. But about five or six years ago, I was working as a distributor in Jacksonville, Florida, and we were selling Victron products. And I had all well, this mentor, his name was Rick Steenerson. He was uh, doing you know, lithium systems and solar systems uh, on catamarans down in St. Augustine. And I'd quite frequently go down to him and just work with him on installations because he had all the hands-on knowledge. He could look at a wire and say he had a hole in in the insulation five foot down into somewhere where you can see it really nice. sort of one of these mm. guys like these electrical mm. wizards of old time so i ended up going down and working with him quite a bit because as you can imagine he also lacked quite a bit on the communication and the that aspect of uh, of the digitalization of these systems so we worked together on, on a few boats and i remember ha- working on one particular one we were installing you know i think it was a thousand amp hour lithium this big pv array and uh, working with the alternator and just spending time with him working in the bilges getting a feeling for all this because i never really ran any wires or connecting anything really taught me a lot about the feeling of of the product and uh, that's you know when a mentor really comes into play because not only do you feel like you're in a safe environment but also you learn so much about the feeling of all these components and you can say yeah this one is heavy when you're trying to get it on the bracket that screw there yeah you have to kind of angle your your phillips head a little bit to get into it you know those kind of things mm. that you can't he knows learn the tricks from. yeah in yeah. all the tricks in the books yeah. and so just you know working with someone like that and getting the experience and and helping out i think is invaluable it was at least for me and it was it really you know helped me sort of grow as a person too because you get two avenues of your knowledge if you're coming from the you know the designer aspect of it and sitting behind a computer you usually lack this just like the old marine installer not being up to speed with all the it aspects of it and the young one maybe not with all the the wires of every ground cable that's 
possible on, on, on a boat. And you get the same feeling if you work as a designer when you go out and, and run the run the installs the system. So yeah, it's really neat to have that kind of experience, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And fun fun marine adventure? Yeah, I'm now I got three kids and uh, it's uh, somewhat limited, but before all the kids and working here, we would, you know, go out diving a bit and nice. uh, I've always been, you know, found diver. It's been a few years since I was out and diving, but yeah, that's always been one of the main sort of uh, hmm. marine What's the craziest aspects. thing you've seen while you're diving? Well, it was pretty cool. We were out diving in, in off the coast of Palm Beach. This is four or five years ago. And we had this, you know, we went out with a group and an instructor. And uh, we went out on the water. It was kind of rough sea. And the two friends that I had with me, they both got seasick. So they couldn't go down. And they had a guy that was with us to get seasick. So it was just me and the two instructors. <laughs> and we just scrapped the scenic tour of the, the reef and just went down and, and shot some fish. And I thought that was really cool. And, uh, you know, playing around see what... You know, someone that's been diving for, you know, all his life would do down there. So mm. that was really cool. And I came up with this experience about how, you know, the fish blew up and all these kind of things. And uh, and they were just sitting up there throwing up. And I was like, yeah, no. that's, uh, it made me feel good and bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah true, so true. So, yeah, uh, that was a cool. kind of a, a, a neat story for me and not so much for my friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so as Meryl was asking, where, where can people find out more about Victron and its products and right, if they want to specifically get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, so if you go to our website, we have a generic email and there's a contact tab on victronenergy.com and it goes, it's called salesusacanada.victronenergy.com and it's linked to me and my four co-workers, Justin, Alan, Johan and Rich and we monitor that daily. So if they want to talk to me, just put attention Simon and send us an email. That's something we check every day. And for people that want to get more information from us or starting to build a system or, you know, is on the verge of doing maybe something a little bit more technical than what they've done in the past, I would strongly recommend the first thing to do is to check our website. And if you click on and see her instructions and then training, then you can see all the sort of live hands-on trainings that we have going on in the US and Canada and uh, attend that because that would really propel you with getting comfortable installing full-on system. That training is for a split phase 12240 working with different input voltages, lithium battery, working with lithium battery relay, BMS signals, the whole integration of, of things, connecting it up to an MFD, so on and so forth. Uh, so that's really a good kickstart. But if not, and if that's not an option, send us an email, get connected with a good technical distributor that can help you with this and maybe even find someone that you can work with or uh, just be your guiding force in, in the ever-changing electrical landscape of uh, marine electronics and take some of our online classes that we have on, on our website as well. Hmm. Okay, and as a final question for me, um, I'm a huge DIY guy. So, but in your opinion, what's that sort of threshold between like you know you can do this yourself no no just go hire the pro like what what's that point is it volts is it you know amp hours like is it like what level of complexity do you think people should just not try it themselves Mm, that's a hard one because it varies so much between 
your experience in the past and i would say if you have no experience at all then i would strongly recommend calling a distributor up pick their brain see if what you're asking is actually real relevant questions and then based on that ask them you know do you think i'm on the right path here because they'll tell you yes or no and then that can be an indication of if you know what you're doing or not but yeah it's that's a, that's a hard one because i think it so many of our do it yourselfers are super technical and they know how to consume mm. knowledge and they spend hours hours looking at systems online but i think having that known victron source like a, a good distributor in uh, to verify the abundant amount of information that's available online is key to making sure that you don't make a mistake that other people didn't know that they did or that whatever they did on their youtube video or their forum or whatever that you uh, read on is perhaps not pertain to to your your system so i would say work with a good distributor and then know your your own limits if you're not sure about something you're working you 12 volt 24 48 122 42 8 whatever it may be if you feel like i'm not sure stop ask for help <laughs> understand it don't just mm. push forward because you think you're right uh, mm. read up on it and then get back mm. to it i'd say mm. yeah because it just gets more expensive once you start yeah blowing stuff up right yeah uh, that's yeah. for sure <laughs> and uh, yeah but it's super cool because you know mm. if you're about to invest in a in a bigger system and you talk mm. to you know a lot of of the distributors out there are super willing to share all this information and helping you if you're just asking for it you know so mm. so ask for help ask for you know you know help with systems they can recommend someone that can you know be your you guide there's maybe a system designer that can you can hire for an hour or two to just verify everything that you've gone through and these kind of things and uh, essentially you're paying you know consulting for you mm -hmm. know a couple of hundred bucks you're saving yourself mm -hmm. days of yeah, just thousands. research yeah exactly <laughs> and yeah. Uh, all that or buying the wrong yeah. one and getting stuck with something yep. that you, yep. you now need to buy something bigger so mm -hmm. yeah cool well simon it was a great talking to you yeah. yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Yeah, nice, nice. Looking forward to more Victron stuff. Keep up the good work, guys. And like we said, we're huge fans here already. And yeah. Check back every Tuesday for our latest episode. And be sure to like, share, and subscribe to ShipShape.pro. Pro, 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 pro.